Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 559th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you the American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Red Bull News Network. But don't worry, this show will always be about the game in the United States, players that play at home and or abroad. Chat room is open. You can uh, come on in and uh, talk amongst yourselves. And if you have any questions for me, I'll try to answer to the best of my abilities as we move on. Now, just got in this afternoon the uh, investigation that has been completed by Miss Sally Yates over the NWSL situation with the players who were uh, sexually abused and, of course, uh, ignored and everything. And, you know, when you read the information, it's pretty terrible what they went through. And it's also disgusting how much they've been ignored throughout this whole process, going through what they did with some of these head coaches on some of these clubs using their authority over the players to go out and just be very, very deceiving and very, very disgusting. And how these players basically had no one to go to what we have seen in cases like this in regular business. There's a human resource department. There are laws. You can go and, you know, if there's, if it's, you know, go to someone of authority to inform them, hey, listen, this is going on. This type of egregious behavior has been absolutely disgusting and there's no other way to say it the amount of ignorance or the amount of denial until finally finally coming out the way it did it just has to be said this is hurtful Because it does not matter if the athlete is male or female. All of them should matter when it comes to cases like this. But not just on the adult level. U.S. soccer is also running things on the youth level, too. And I'm talking about those youth national teams. We're also talking about AYSO. 
you don't want to have any one of these players, no matter what sex they are, no matter what age they are, this should not be happening. Should not be happening in our game, period. No matter who or what the player is. It is just filthy, disgusting stuff. And let me just go ahead and say this. I mean, I'm, I'm reading it from, um, this is from Sally Yates. Uh, she's presenting overview of her report to the U.S. soccer media. In general, it appeared that NWSL teams, the league, and the U.S. Soccer Federation prioritized concerns of legal exposure to litigation by coaches or the risk of drawing negative attention to prioritize these things before player safety. A culture of abuse, silence, and fear of retaliation perpetuated the misconduct. Players that felt safe in speaking up didn't know where they could go to begin with. Most teams didn't have HR departments. There was no one identified at U.S. Soccer or NWSL for such complaints. There wasn't even an anonymous reporting line until the league established one in 2021. We were troubled by a lot of conduct that we saw here, which is why we thought that it was important to lay it all out. Based on the evidence that we were able to find who knew what, when, and what they did about it and what they didn't do about it. But we also recognize that there's another investigation specifically commissioned by the NWSL. We think it's premature to get out in front of that other ongoing investigation, of course, ongoing in parentheses. And it's the league's decision. When, when you hear this, when you hear about this, how it was all done. And at the same time, you talk about basically, basically simple things. And maybe it's not so simple. Look, this is, I understand it's tough to discuss going on. And yes, I know I'm a man, I'm a male. I have no idea what's, what a woman is uh, going through. No, you're right. I don't know. But it makes me angry and it makes me mad that something like this was never, ever brought into the inclusion when the NWSL began and trying to restart professional women's soccer in this country after WUSA died. You know, when Sunil Gulati was president of U.S. soccer, and, you know, Carter Krishnire of World Soccer Talk has said this to me. You may not have agreed with how he handled the whole World Cup qualification situation going to Russia, but when he was president of the Federation, he showed care. Care for the clubs in all of the leagues. Care in the rebirth of the professional women's league in the NWSL. 
care in the game itself. And yes, he has to bear the brunt of the failure of 2018 cycle going to Russia. And even though Cindy Parlo Cohn is currently the president of the, of the U.S. Soccer Federation, and she has made her own uh, decree as well, trying to fix these things, fix this issue, and make sure this doesn't happen again. And of course, like I've said in the past, I congratulate her for getting the equal pay situation done with the men's and women's national teams in their collective bargaining agreement. It's still not enough for what we have seen so far. It's still not enough. It should be and what it could be. And the way things have gone so far, this is disturbing. This is sad. And this should never have happened in professional women's sports, let alone professional sports altogether. I, I am I am troubled. I I am very very troubled now because now, and and if I'm going to be going out on a limb here, if I'm going to have to say it, then I'll say it because I you know, U.S. soccer has gone now to a level where I never thought they would go. Carelessness. Not tackling the situation when the situation was brought upon them. Or at least having a mechanism to allow these players to speak up when they were ready to speak up. Before they implemented something in 2021. For all the good that we have tried to do for the women's game and all the support in the women's game. The truth of the matter is this. It is not enough. It is not enough. And if we are going to take this situation seriously, if we are going to take this situation head on and be very, very serious about what we have seen and what we have now read and what we have heard, then U.S. soccer down. It's time for new blood to run Soccer House in Chicago. I mean, to me... It's a failure. It is an absolute failure for this to be allowed to happen and for not to be taken care of as soon as possible, word officially got out before this investigation ever began. U.S. soccer, you're supposed to be on the front foot here 
but now you're not. And even though it's been brought to light in recent days and months and in a year or two, it's too little too late. This is not just about the typical arguments that we're having here. We're not talking about just the situation with promotion and relegation. We're not just talking about the stadium situation involving Orange County SC and the LA Galaxy. We're talking about the safety of our professional players, male or female, who are basically more female now, but their profession is being endangered by the situation that has been brought up, and it's not right. It is not right. It is not fair. It is terrible. It is disgusting. And I, I am, I am upset by this. I am angry by this. It's really been a horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach to hear and to read and to see what has happened. We need new blood on the board of directors. I will give Cindy Parlo-Cohn a lot of kudos for standing up and talking as president of U.S. soccer and she's going to do her best to implement new initiatives to make sure this never happens again but this is a failure on the board this is a major failure on the board to allow this to happen and now, unfortunately, it feels like U.S. soccer is just not on the front foot of anything. It's Look, it's great that we've qualified for the World Cup for Qatar this upcoming November. The national team, you know, getting uh, that TV deal with Turner Sports, that's an excellent situation for them, involving the Open Cup as well. Too many times... When there's a uh, two steps forward, there's five steps back. And U.S. soccer has done that, and it's a shame. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get on with the show tonight. We'll have Matthew Cox on later tonight to talk about uh, his uh, show no longer going to be around after the end of this season. But joining me right now is the head coach of the Agen Hawks and David Rosenbaum. And um, unfortunately for Agen Hawks, eliminated in the opening qualification round of the 2023 U.S. Open Cup. But still, though, this to me is a historic club in the amateur levels of American soccer, and they deserve all the respect in the world in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area. David, good evening, and how are you? Evening. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I know we had a little bit of the hiccup a few weeks ago, but that's okay. Uh, Glad to have you back on to talk about the club. And, David, you know, I have to say that ever since I got started covering the U.S. Open Cup through the qualification rounds back in the late 90s, early 2000s, Agen Hawks were always one of the top clubs in the amateur leagues 
always one of the top clubs that have always been feared against these amateur sides, not just locally but nationally during Open Cup play. Yeah, we like that uh, that label. Um, we got a lot of guys that played, <laughs> you know, college and and pro level. And when we come together, we got a special group, and the guys really look forward uh, to getting up for Open Cup. Um, yeah, we had a slight bummer other weekend against Germantown City FC. They had a very athletic team and, and took advantage of their two chances, and unfortunately we just weren't on the mark that night. We probably had nine or ten quality chances and just couldn't turn to the net. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to uh, give up. But obviously, uh, Agen will always qualify for the Open Cup and hopefully for 2024. Uh, we'll hope to see you back in the qualification rounds. Or hopefully you'll be able to uh, participate in the uh, U.S. Adult Soccer Association tournament and you can win the automatic bid if you can get there uh, as quickly as possible. Yeah, we always qualify for the, uh, the local uh, amateur cup as well. So we'll be... We'll be- putting ourselves in that and yeah next once next year rolls around we got u.s open cup qualifying coming again we'll be sure to to uh, get in there when that comes around now just out of curiosity you know for some of us that are not aware of some of these clubs that uh are in the amateur leagues and in the amateur level uh how did this club get started uh all the way back when, uh, you know, they were starting to uh, create this club. And uh, what is the the history of this club moving on in uh, championships in the uh, Washington, D.C., Maryland area? So the club was actually started back in 1996. Um, I was about 10 years old, so I could not tell you what the landscape of amateur soccer was back then. Um, but from what I understand, it was started by a group of, uh, of Cypriots and Greek guys that I want to say either worked at the World Bank or worked at some capacity and were more or less weekend warriors that were, uh, you know, coming together on, on weekends to play some top-quality soccer. I joined the team around 2010, and by then they'd already had an amateur championship, national championship to their name and they were known as just a a high-quality amateur team. And so I joined when they were competing in the WPL, um, and over time we have now transitioned to the American Premier League, which runs predominantly out of uh, Tyson's. Uh, It's a great new league. Guys are uh, all about the amateur level and are looking to grow that league. So the future is bright. We're not quite sure. Uh, what what will unfold, but you know, for now we just got a, a high quality team that looks forward to getting together and playing high quality soccer. Oh, absolutely, and that's what we love to hear. So, you as being the head coach of Agen Hawks right now, what type of system do you like to implement? I mean, how do you like to play more possession? I mean, more recently, the press system has been more uh, out there in the professional levels of MLS, even um, in some of the top European leagues. You know, how do you like to attack and or defend against your opponents every time you get out there for 90 minutes? That's a great question. Um, Certainly depends on our opponents. When we are fielding teams that have a lot of pace out wide or up top, uh, we tend to play a more counterattacking style, so we like to absorb pressure, allow teams to play, and then uh, counter with our own 
um, pace up top. So you got great forwards up top that know how to hold the ball up, can combine. And then we got some some pretty dangerous guys that play out wide that can get in behind on the outside and the wings and the channels as well. Um, and we have very crafty, solid midfielders who are able to provide them service. Um, so our, our results in American Premier League with at least uh, four goals in every match so far. So, um, yeah, the goals are plenty, and our, our defense has been very sturdy last couple of seasons. It's, it's great to see. So it's, it's been a very balanced team. Oh, that's great to hear. Who is currently your most um, uh, aggressive attacker, creative midfielder, or at least uh, the one that loves to put the ball in the back of the net too much? <laughs> Too much. That would probably be our, our main man, our forward, Peter Amanyidi. He's a, he's a Ugandan uh, national. He's probably six foot three, kind of plays like an Adebayor style, a, uh, a very tall, tall, fast forward who can hold the ball up well, but he loves to tell us he prefers balls in behind in the space. So it's nice to see him uh, really he, he gives defenders a really hard time back there with his length and, and strength. So it's uh, always fun to watch him play up there. And where do you normally get your players from? The colleges or a local uh, uh, town league of some sort? Do you also uh, scout the high schools in the area for your club? Um, no scouting uh, yet. Peter actually came up to us. Um, we used to train over in Watkins Elementary in Capitol Hill, and we used to just take a corner of the field to play small side possession, and we always did Tuesday, Thursday evenings there. And one night Peter walked up and said, hey, I like the way you guys play. Do you mind if I join? And the rest is history. But for the majority of the players, it's just a wide network of guys, um, you know, played – in college, so we got a Maryland network, William and Mary, American University, UVA, Virginia Tech. So just about every season, somebody will come through and say, you know, I got a buddy that wants to play. He heard about us, and he's high, he's high level, top quality, and you know, I think he'd fit in well with our team. So uh, at this point, I think the brand of the club just kind of takes care of itself, and we always get guys that come in uh, looking to play. No, it really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's great to hear that you don't have to really worry about uh, advertising for spots. I mean, they just it's all word of mouth. And that shows you why, in my opinion, Agen Hawks is one of the top amateur clubs in the D.C. Maryland area. I know last year's qualification round, you won your opening round in September, but you were forced to bow out in October due to not having enough players uh, available. That must have been really difficult for you and and for the members of the club to uh, bow out of uh, qualification for the Open Cup because of uh, player availability at that time. Yeah, that was a tough call to make. Um, The deciding factor was our starting goalkeeper, uh, Andrew Dykstra, uh, former pro for, you know, DC United and um, down Charleston. And, you know, he's got an extensive MLS uh, history. Close friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, The day before I got into into a a car accident uh, with his wife. He had gotten rear-ended accidentally. And so he calls me probably around four, four o'clock in the morning. And he's like, you know, I'm hugging the toilet. I think I'm concussed. Probably shouldn't play tomorrow. Meanwhile, our team bus is supposed to leave in five hours to go down to Lynchburg for this qualifier. 
So, um, yeah, it was probably one of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make, but it was the right one because he went to the doctor on Monday and the doctor said, you know, had he sustained any more head trauma, he probably would have uh, bled out and died. So I think I made the right call in the end. Oh, God. Wow. Wow. I'm glad so, uh, he's doing yeah, better. Probably I'm, cra- I'm... Crazy, crazy circumstances, but he's doing much better. Um, he's playing with us. He actually got a shutout last night. So he's back to his, his normal self. So always good to have him back. Good. No, that's great to hear. And I'm, obviously, I'm glad him and his wife are okay. I'm especially him. I mean, with that, that'd be horrible if that ever. Oh my God! You don't ever want to get through stuff like that. I mean, I'll tell you that that's just scary stuff right there going forward. But um, I'm glad Andrew's back and uh, he's able to go play golf for you guys uh, over at Aiken. Uh, so well, we'll see that. But um, as you said, you know, you're in this league right now, and um, what has been tough about this current league that Aiden Hawks performs in, uh, and, and how difficult is these local D.C. Maryland teams? As you said, you played Germantown City uh, from Maryland in the Open Cup qualification rounds, but still, though, um, I mean, we, I know everything that goes on in the Cosmopolitan League here in the New York, New Jersey area, but obviously anything up and down the uh, East Coast is uh, really tough nut soccer, if you know what I mean. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I've trained with the guys from NIAC before. We've played the uh, – what's that Greek team up there? We've played the Greek team in a, in a regional final before. We, we know that level. Um, yeah, I'd say – The Greek Americans? Yeah, Greek Americans. Um, Danny Zatella was on that team. That's all I remember about that team. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the level level is high quality. Every team comes out to play. Um and yeah, it's. I think for us, if we have our, our full team out, the top eleven guys, it's it's really tough to beat us. So, um, the hardest thing about men's soccer, as most people know, is just making sure you're on top of the guys in terms of communication, scheduling, and just fielding, you know, enough guys to get out there. With you know, we got dads on the team, we got coaches, we got guys who travel for work. So you're constantly just juggling the the roster and making sure you get the right. 14 or 15 out for each match. That's great to hear. Uh, getting a lot of uh, solid opponents going your way. And, uh, you know, this is what I've always said. Um, I- I'm enjoying the level of play uh, basically on all levels here. We all know what MLS can do, what the USL leagues can do, uh, what NIS is trying to do, and, of course, uh, uh, NPSL. But, boy, i got to tell you, these amateur teams, uh, David, they really go all out, and they're really tough to play against, especially your team. Um, I'll always give uh, Agen Hawks uh, a lot of credit for playing a hard-nosed style. And, uh, you know, now that you're running the club, uh, it sounds like it's continuing to be really strong out there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the nice part about running the brand is guys know who they're coming to. They know that we're qualifying for Open Cup. They know that we expect to win every amateur league that we participate in, whether it's Washington Premier League or American Premier League. Um, and that that just kind of sets the tone for every Sunday. So I have the easiest job. I don't even have to motivate these guys. I just tell them when and where to show up and watch them play beautiful soccer every, every Sunday. 
Absolutely. And you know what? You got to keep on doing that stuff because uh, you got to find a way to get more wins and hopefully get a championship this season. We'll see what happens. But um, I guess my final question to you is this. Uh, I don't know if you've been able to watch um, the uh, FX uh, series uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Of course, Rob McElhaney and uh, Ryan Reynolds has uh, purchased Wrexham AFC uh, over in the England, Wales area. But uh, when you watch the, um, the their manager all the time during uh, whatever matches that they're able to film, and you know he's all mic'd up, and it's uh, basically everything that you think it is. Is that how your day is as well? Every ninety minutes? No, I'm not too uh, too much of a yeller, too hard on the guys. Um, my my biggest thing is as long as we start right the game takes care of itself. So I might be tough on them. I might be more tough on them via text to say like, Hey, you know, you better get your, uh, get your A there 30 minutes beforehand so that we can start right. Um, But yeah, not a huge, huge yeller guys. Guys are good about, you know, character and making sure they come out prepared and uh, you know, not partying too hard the night before and making sure the, the girlfriends let them get out and play. It's just you know, a whole, whole laundry list of things to get them out there. If you don't follow the list, you're going to get kicked out. No, I'm just kidding. But I know that your players will probably listen. No, never. Listen, David. Uh, listen, I, never. But I appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you very much. Uh, good luck the rest of the way for the Agen Hawks, and uh, have a good season in the Amateur League, and I'll talk to you again soon, okay? Thanks so much for having me, Daniel. Thank you. David Rosenbaum, head coach of Agen Hawks, one of the top amateur clubs in the East Coast, especially in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area. And uh, joining me right now, of course, going through uh, a nasty bit of Hurricane Ian, but we're glad that him and his family are doing well. Of course, it is Matthew Cox from the Unused Substitute Podcast joining me right now talking about, of course, USL Championship, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Matt, good evening, and uh, how is everything going so far with uh, um, with uh, what's going on in Florida, especially with the hurricane relief effort? Good evening. Uh, well, where I am, and, and I've lived in Florida all my life since, you know, going back to the, uh, well, I don't want to say how long, but I was a kid when Andrew came through in 92, and, and that was the, the most damage I've seen from a storm. Uh, and I was like an hour and a half away from that and, and, and got off lucky. And, and kind of the same thing happened this time. Where I am, you know, I lost a couple fence panels and a bunch of tree branches, and, and it's fine. But if you go two hours south of me, uh, it looks like a war zone. It, 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 some of the, the, the pictures coming out of Fort Myers and that area further south is just unbelievable to, 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 to take a look at. Yeah. And I just want to say, of course, uh, on Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show, I'm hoping everyone in Florida uh, that was affected by Hurricane Ian, uh, please stay safe. And uh, hopefully you'll get the relief that you need to uh, rebuild and uh, move on with your lives. And hopefully it will happen there. Um, Well, I'm glad you and your family are doing well, Ian, of course, uh, in your uh, co-host and Stephen Cundiff. uh, Hopefully he's doing well uh, included. I can't believe it. Uh, you're you're uh, you're finishing up. It, it's over. This is it. No more unused substitute podcast. Why? What's going on? I loved your show. 
So it's uh, we've we've been doing this. This is this is eight years now. We're gonna we're gonna finish up uh, at the end of this season. Whenever the uh, the Rowdies come to an end, they they've clinched a playoff spot. So they'll be uh, you know we'll go through October and hopefully into November, and uh, we'll go on from there. But uh, uh, it's just it's just life. Uh, Dan is uh, engaged in uh, in moving to New York at the end of the month, so he's going to be out of the area. Uh, I've got you know changes in, in, in life that kind of prevent me from being available all the time with, uh, especially during the season, like a conveniently free outside of the season. But, uh, during the season, it, it gets to be, it's getting to be a little difficult and, and we didn't want to just keep changing things and, and calling it the same thing. We didn't, didn't really seem fair to what we had, uh, built up over the last eight years. And, and the main reason we started this, Dan and I started this eight years ago was, there was no local coverage. Like the only time the, the local paper would write about the Rowdies were when they were complaining that there wasn't baseball at Al Lang Stadium still. Uh, and, and we're at a point now where there is lots of media coverage. There are other podcasts. There are other websites. Um, we kind of feel like we've accomplished our main mission. And, uh, and, and just because we're this is coming to an end doesn't mean that, that we are. Uh, we're just going to be involved differently. I mean, I, I, I still enjoy doing podcasts and things like that. It's just, it's not going to be the exact same thing it was. And if it's not going to be the same thing, we didn't want to, want to call it the same name, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. I mean, look, sometimes, you know, life um, gives you a turn uh, for the good. Sometimes life gives you a turn for the worst uh, for you, obviously. And uh, for your other uh, current and former uh, co-hosts, you know, Life uh, had to make a change uh, for the good. I think for me, though, and maybe other rowdy supporters, maybe it's a turn for the bad because they're going to miss your sweet, sweet discussions (laughs) about your favorite club, no matter what league they're in, being at Al Lang every (laughs) single home match. Too yeah, much. we uh, we, we <laughs> no no no. Uh, just we, we've actually we had kind of been talking about this for a few months before we made any decisions and made anything public. And it was, it was yeah, it was it was a, a tough call to make. Like like I said, we've been doing this for eight years, and and you know Dan and I started it, and then Dan stepped away for a little bit, and Stephen came in, uh, and then I had to step out for a little bit, and Dan came back, and then it's been kind of all three of us. That it, it, it's been a heck of a ride, and it's been. You know, it was one of those things that starts out as a, as a labor of love and, and people told us, well, you know, podcasts never last. Well, we've made this go eight years and they say podcasts don't ever make any money. We've been entirely self-sufficient from our supporters, the people that have uh, been behind us and, and supporting us and, and uh, you know, with, with Patreon and with, you know, buying merchandise and all this stuff for years. It it was a, a hard decision to, to make and we've gotten a ton of uh, uh, great messages from uh, from people, from players, from staff, from players on other teams. You know, we've 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 heard a lot, and it's uh, it, it's extremely flattering, especially for someone like me who doesn't take compliments all that. Like, I don't know how to handle people paying me compliments, but uh, we're 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 very proud of what we've done, uh, and and we kind of want to. We didn't want to keep hanging around and 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 being here is like the default. Like, if other people had ideas and had things that they wanted to try and do, we want to you know, kind of give that space for them to do it. And, and we've gone from doing this on a, at a, around a card table in, in my living room to, you know, the last two or three years, they've had, the, the team has had us hosting an official pregame show, which I, I think is still going to continue. We'll, we'll talk more about that with them at the end of the year. But 
uh, we're, we're definitely still going to be around and, and going to be online and, and making awful jokes and uh, occasionally talking about soccer. There you go. That's great to hear. At least you're still going to be connected with the club. And obviously, I know you're still going to be connected with the club anyway, because, you know, you're never going to leave uh, the Rowdies at all, because that's uh, got to be criminal if that ever happened. And, of course, I'd be the first one to lead the charge to free you from anything that would be a negative. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not about that, Matt. (laughs) We have ideas and we have some plans and, uh, We'll still be around, and it's just it'll just be doing something different. Uh-huh. I, I, absolutely. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you this though: Is there a show, or at least reviewing a Rowdy's game, where you absolutely went ballistic, you Dan and Steven, or you know separate whatever? You know what was the one or whatever games you can remember going back. And if I can chime in on one, because I'll go with it, because I kind of watched it when the NASL was on CBS Sports Network at that time when they came back. But mm-hmm. what was the game or, or what was the show that really got you pumped and said, you know what, that was a damn good show that we did? <laughs> the the one game I, I really remember, because uh, I'm still trying to put last year's uh, championship game out of my mind and to, to limited success, uh, but way back in the NASL days, we uh, we hosted Minnesota United at Al Lang uh, while they were still in, in, oh gosh, I guess it was NASL before they went to USL, and this is when they still had uh, Miguel Ibarra and Christian Ramirez and, mm-hmm. and all those guys there. Uh, and it was it was a heck of a game, but there was a sequence, and it happened right in front of me, uh, where I believe I think it involved a bar in Ramirez, where it, the ball goes, it, pass goes over the end line, over the over the the goal line. The linesman's right there, should have been out. All the Rowdies play, and, and you know you, you got to play to the whistle, whatever. But all the Rowdies players stopped because it was so far over the line that we're just like, there's no way that, you know, okay, they're going to blow the whistle. The linesman never blows the whistle, never does anything with the flag. Uh, the ball gets played back in, and Rowdies got caught snapping, uh, and, and Minnesota scores. We lose that game by a goal. We miss the playoffs by, like, you know, two or three points or something like that. And it's just that one has always stuck in my head, and I know I blew up on it there. Uh you know, gosh, there's all kinds of games. Pretty much any game involving the Rowdies and the Cosmos, because we always felt the referees, uh, you know, kind of uh, were, were on the New York side with the uh, the team playing in the same area as the league office back in those days. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. admit to being biased, homers. But the way it is, but the, yeah, any that Minnesota United game, and then pretty much any game involving the Cosmos would are the ones that always kind of stick out in my head. I bet it does. Now, I'm going to give you a moment in, uh, in Rowdy's history, current Rowdy's history with you. Um, and if you can remember what I'm going to tell you, because I would like to know the show that oh, you boy. had, when <laughs> the moment shows, I don't even that – Oh my goodness! Well, I'm going to try and make you remember then. You know, you're on, you're on the hot right, seat, Mister. Let's go here. Come on now. Um, I, I am, and, and you know, I'm old to begin with, so memory is not a, always a great thing. But we'll try. We'll try. Well, how old are you? Uh, oh gosh, Dad. let's see. Actually, let me double check. Come yeah, on. Yeah, uh, forty-six. What is it? What? 
46. You're 47. Oh, my God. I'm four years older than you. Well, I'm actually three years older than you. I'm, <laughs> I'll be 50 uh, next year in April. But, geez, come on. You're not that old. Stop it. Um, okay. Are you ready for this? I just feel this? like it needs to be. All right, hit me. <laughs> I promise you there will be no test. There's the, there will be no quiz on this. But Good, because I, I am a middle school teacher, and we, I have not been at work since last Monday. I go back tomorrow. Uh, finally, the, the hurricane stuff, I'm just not even ready for it yet. All right. Well, you're going to have to go back home and have another day off because Yom Kippur is coming. Anyway. I will um, take it. There you go. So <laughs> anyway, what type of show did you have on the night where the Tampa Bay Rowdies hosted the Puerto Rico Islanders? Cole did the bicycle kick goal. Uh, I'm trying to remember the actual show, but I, I actually remember everything about that goal. Like I, I was sitting uh, up at Outlong Stadium back when it was still a minor league base or a spring training stadium, whatever. There's these press tables up near the press box at the very top. And I was sitting up there uh, because we had a guy that used to work for us writing. He wrote all the articles for the website. He did match recaps. He did interviews. He lived actually lived in Brooklyn at the time. He was from uh, down here from Tampa Bay originally, but was living in Brooklyn at Are the time. Are you talking about Jake? Uh, and it was one. Are you talking about Jake? Yeah, Jake, who now, yeah, Jake, who is now the communications manager for the team. Like we managed to get him that job, which is how we got the the the, the pregame show gig because he uh, he took care of us. Um, but I'm sitting up there with Jake. It was one of his few trips in town, and that goal happened so early on in the game, and it was at the far end of the the, the pitch from where we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he hit that. And we just like just spent the next five or six minutes just looking at, at each other. Like, did we actually just see that happening? Because that was kind of the first big thing that Joe Cole did when he came here. Like, they had his whole big press conference, and and you know he was great about doing media and PR and talking to people and talking to the community. Uh, but there was still that question about you know what what's the effort going to be? What's the level going to be on the field? And then he turned around and pulled that off from a from a throw in. Uh, I think we still have audio of that in our like introduction for the uh, the, the the like theme song for the show. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally, I, I spent. You you should try and divide the show into like two or three segments. I think we just spent the whole show talking about that goal afterwards. That's. It, I was just talking today. Um, you know, the uh, Rowdies played Monterey Bay last night, and uh, Nikki Law just volleyed a ball in from the corner of the box and bounced it off the bar. Uh, and it was one of those, like, it, it's already got a nickname and it's kind of the, the, like Mount Rushmore of iconic modern rowdies goals. That one, uh, you know, the, the, the bicycle is the, the, the big one. Like there was a whole marketing campaign about it afterwards. The rowdies were doing all this stuff with it. It was crazy. Yeah, I bet it was. So I'll tell you, I remember when CBS sports, network and cbs sports when they i think it was like what one years two years i think it was broadcasting and mm-hmm. nsl games i remember watching that game and when joe cole nailed the bike and scored that goal i was like are you kidding me yeah and i'm hearing al lang roaring through my tv like you know like a bomb explode i was like oh my god that was awesome that was awesome. It was if insane. I can ask you, uh, it was, yeah. it was, 
primary. I think it was off a throw-in from Tommy Heineman too, in the far corner. Yes. And that was a goal. That was a God. That was insane. That was awesome. I mean, you could yeah. probably still go back to YouTube and probably find it and just revel in it. That, oh yeah, that yeah, was yeah, just yeah. Uh, that's easy. That's one of those goals that you know that that was just unbelievable. Um, mm -hmm. If I can ask you a question here, and I want to ask you a Rowdy's question. Will ownership find a way to – I mean, I understand the city of St. Pete runs Alang and owns Alang, but will they purchase the stadium? Just give me one minute here. Will um, the Rowdies and ownership find a way to purchase Alang Stadium? And finally build some seats where the outfield is. Because, look, I know it's only temporary seating between right and left center of mm -hmm. Alang Stadium. I know it's still a minor league ballpark because I guess there's still some rare hope that maybe a, minor, a major league team will play there for spring training. Or they'll get a, or they'll get a minor league baseball team back there. I don't know if they will. I, I hope not. Yeah, no, I don't do that. I mean, they, will, they put so will, much will work they? into. Uh, hmm. I, you know, I have always felt like it would be one of those things where it would be in the city's benefit to to do one of those like, hey, we'll sell you the stuff, sell you the the area for a buck, because as long as the city owns it, they're not getting property tax off of that. You know, you know, they're just they're leasing it out and and doing you know usage agreements. Uh, a lot of that's going to come down to whatever happens to Tropicana Field because Rowdy's ownership is the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, mm -hmm. They can talk about, you know, they redevelop that area, possibly building a, a stadium there. But a lot of us would love to stay at the Al Lang location. Um, there would have to be some stuff done because, honestly, you know, last week when, when this hurricane was, was coming right for oh. us at first, it was the the question was are right. we even going to be able to go back there this year because it's right there on the water the elevation is zero it we've seen that place flood during heavy rainstorms uh, there was some serious concern like I would love for that to happen I, I love the, the the spot at Al Lang uh, I you know it, it it would make a lot of sense we we've we've been told they're in negotiations to continue using it for an extra year beyond the uh, the current lease agreement at least so. Uh, I think once settled, wherever the Rays are going to end up, whether it's in Tampa or in a, in a, in a redeveloped smaller stadium uh, where the Trop is now or whatever, then that'll probably be the next thing on their agenda, hopefully. Yeah. Well, listen, look, like I said, I mean, I hope uh, – and I'm not saying, you know, playing at Al Lang is bad. I don't think it is at all. So I'm, I'm glad that the Rowdies have a home. Don't get me wrong about that. I just feel like, you know, as as much as – St. Pete has been a great place to be for the Rowdies and all the improvements that they've done to make the Rowdies feel at home and the using of the facility. I mean, sooner rather than later, you know, something's got to give. I mean, are we going to be, mm -hmm. are you going to be there permanently or will the situation in Tampa, like you said, if the Rays move to build a newer ballpark and make it smaller and you can change Tropicana field into a soccer stadium, by all means you go for it and just, you know, I would say reconfigure the thing and, and uh, you know, whatever's good for the Rowdies is good for me. Yeah. That's, you know, a, a permanent place, an actual, you know, soccer specific place. 
although Al Lang is pretty much as close as you can be now. They've they've redone the entire pitch and and and, and the extra facilities to where it could be. Uh, they are opening a new training facility uh, in in Tampa uh, next year, actually uh, at the site of where they had originally proposed to build the stadium way back when they first came back into uh, into existence when the the so-called modern era started. So they are going to have mm-hmm. some facility there at least. But uh, I I would love to see something you know on the Owlang site. Uh, it's just it's there's no better place for me to watch a sporting event ever. No, I agree with you. I wouldn't mind it there. I mean, look, if it works in Tampa, then fine. But if it's going to be in St. Pete, I have no issues whatsoever. I think it would be a great – and I agree with you. I think the location is great. What I didn't know was, before I let you go, I didn't – has, uh, you know, the racetrack that goes along Al Lang and the airport and within the downtown area over there. I had no idea that there was uh, IndyCar racing going on over there as well. Yeah, and allegedly, uh, supposedly sometime in the near future, maybe a Formula E race coming there too. Uh, one of the groups, mm. actually the group that I probably hang out with the most because they're down here in Sarasota where I am, the group's called the Skyway Casuals. Their tailgate, they, they call it the Turn 5 tailgate because it's literally right there in the middle of the parking lot where Turn 5 is during the race. So you can, even when the even when it's not race season, you can see where it goes around there uh, through the stadium. So it's a... Uh, it's a lot of fun. I have never had a, actually had a chance to go up there during the race, but I've I've always wanted to. I know a lot of the uh, the team uh, staff and players get to watch it from inside the stadium, and I've had people that have, you know, known people around the area that go watch it from apartment balconies and stuff. But it, it looks like a great time. It sounds like. It. And by the way, everybody, next year uh, hopefully get back more USO Championship time, and uh, we'll have on Matt Cox. Uh, he's agreed to uh, help me out with uh, Rowdy's information whenever I need it. So I'm really appreciative of that as well from you, Matt. And even though uh, uh, n- n- no, mm-hmm. so uh, yep. just wanted to say. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm grateful that you're still going to hang out hang out with me and everything like that, and it's going to be great. But I just want to say, it's a shame that you're no longer doing the Unused Substitutes podcast. But you know what? Look, uh, good luck to you and your family in the future. Obviously, uh, good luck with the Rowdies finishing up this USL Championship season. And I believe you said they've clinched a playoff spot. So, uh, good luck with them in the playoffs this year. And um, I'm just glad you and your family are safe after what happened with Hurricane uh, Ian. Yeah, it, uh, I, I've dodged four four big ones on on either side of the state in my lifetime, and I I, I thought this was the time my luck was going to run out. But you know where I was, we didn't even lose power. It was crazy. No, that's lucky. That's lucky, boy. That's lucky. I tell you, good for you. Very happy to hear that. All right, so Matt, listen. Thanks again for joining me tonight, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Matthew Cox, formerly, soon to be formerly, of the Unused Substitute Podcast. But they're still going to go strong till the end of the rowdy season once they go uh, and finish up in the playoffs, depending on where. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Other than that, um, now we're going to talk about the New York Red Bulls in a match where they had a 1-0 lead all the way into the 89th minute until... Former Red Bull Academy player Derek Etienne Jr. snags two goals late in regulation and into second half stoppage time to thwart the Red Bull's three-point attempt on a road victory. 
And uh, Derek Etienne Jr. scored his brace to make it 2-1 after a Frankie Amaya goal that came up big for the Red Bulls at that time. And they looked strong. They looked really good. I thought defensively they looked good. But then until Derek Etienne Jr. came into the match, he looked dangerous and solid. And obviously, you know, he didn't show it in his first goal. But you can tell what he was probably thinking to himself. I'm going to prove my former club wrong for not keeping me or allowing me to stay. And just a shame because I'll admit Derek Gettian Jr. was one of my favorite young Red Bull players coming up through the, uh, through the academy system. I, I enjoyed his play. I enjoyed what he did. I enjoyed everything that and the play. I mean, granted, he's had some miscues here and there and, and finding a way to uh, convert majority of the chances. But still, though, I, I mean, it has to be said. He came out with a vengeance when he got subbed in. He looked dangerous. And those two goals added to his totals, and now he has eight goals for Columbus. And the Red Bulls, because of that loss and the New York City win, dropped them from third to fourth. And the Red Bulls right now, with the final match at home against Charlotte FC, to uh, remain in the top four, to attempt to host a playoff game at home, coming up huge. It's coming up big. We need to see what's going to happen here. We need to see how this is going to impact them, and we need to see what the situation will be. So all I can say is, is that for this Red Bull side, you cannot lose a game like that when you needed the points badly. And now they have fallen out of third. They are now in fourth. And if they are going to try and stay in at least in the fourth place position, they need to win out against Charlotte FC to finish off the regular season schedule and to keep that place to play a home match at Red Bull Arena. Um, no Aaron Long, that's okay. I think he deserved a rest at least. It's not because I don't think Aaron needed the rest. I just think, you know, it's not the uh, jet lag. I just think that Aaron, as you've seen at times, Aaron's been uh, limping around late in matches. So to give him an extra week off, I, or at least another week off, I think it, it didn't hurt anything. It didn't hurt at all. uh, It was a smart move. But anyway, as I've said, um, Red Bulls need to find a way to finish this off in a flourish, and they need the full three points here to do so. And we'll see what happens on Sunday afternoon at 2.30 on MSG Network during Decision Day in MLS. It should be exciting, should be fun, and I cannot wait. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, It's going to be a fun time over the weekend, and we're going to have some fun. So thank you very much for listening tonight. I want to thank my guests, David Rosenbaum, head coach of Hawks, and host of the Unused Substitute Podcast on the Tampa Bay Rowdies, Matthew Cox. 
My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me next week as we preview the second round of qualifying for the 2023 U.S. Open Cup. Full slate of clubs, amateur clubs, who are ready to go to qualify for the Open Cup and move on to the next round in the month of November. We'll see what happens on that next weekend. It should be exciting and a lot of fun. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now.